better, I better sit down. <laughs> Do you need a mic? Is it okay to grab this one? Or? I don't talk long, so I don't take the headset. <laughs> we want to thank you for, uh, for having us today. Um, it's all right to mess up the name. We, we have a lot of strange things. On our region, we also have Turkey um, is one of the countries that we have, and we've been there for Thanksgiving. So we have Turkey and Turkey on Thanksgiving, on Turkey Day. Um, and we're hungry, so we come from Hungary to Turkey to have Turkey on Turkey Day. So, um, yeah, interesting places in the world. And this morning, strange, we were in Lebanon. I got confused because Lebanon is also on our region. And so uh, had, okay. Lebanon, Missouri. We're not going back. And then, okay. So uh, anyway, and that church actually brings uh, their greetings to you, uh, Pastor Jim. Um, Jones told me to uh, give so many people a hard time here. I can't remember all the names, but if you know him, probably he meant to give you a hard time. Yeah, he's shaking his head over there. He did say red beard, so that one, that one we know for sure. Um, but we just want to thank you for, for having us here this evening. Um, I'm here with, with my wife, Chezzy, and we have two boys in the nursery, uh, Lucas and Reuben. And uh, it's, uh, they've been troopers traveling with us uh, throughout the country these last about four weeks now. Um, you know, and, and we, sometimes we wonder, like, you know, what, what's it doing to them to, to have them on this kind of a journey with us? Uh, and this morning we got up, we were in the car and on the road by 6.30-ish, a little bit later. We, 6.30 was the plan. Anyway, so about 6.30 we're, we're on the road, and it's before the sun comes up. And the sun starts to come up, and um, he got mad because it kept getting in his eyes. So he'd say, get out, get out, get out. And, and eventually he looked over, and I was driving, and, and Chessie was in the back seat with him. Uh, he looked over and said, Mommy, where did the darkness go? And um, he always, when he wakes up in the morning, he, he likes to point out the window and say, Daddy, it's morning, it's morning. Um, when he says, oh, no, it's too early. He says, no, it's morning. Uh, so this morning he asked, where did the darkness go? And uh, Chessie said, when, when the sun comes out, the light, when, when there's light, there's no darkness. And uh, that's a little bit of what we're sharing th- this evening. Um, and so I just thought that was um, so great that he's, even at, at three years old, we're beginning to be able to explain um, the power that light has over darkness. And that's what we want to share with you tonight. Um, but first I'll give a little introduction of, to who we are, where we're from. Um, and we are serving on the Central Europe field, which if I can get this thing turned on. Was first oh, was it over here? Oh, sorry, sorry. Technology, technology. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Maybe. All right. So here's a map of our region. Um, the, we have only lived in Budapest, um, Hungary, for about one year. Uh, last August, we um, were reassigned to, to there. Before that, we were living in Busingen, Germany, which is where the regional office is. Um, it was also uh, before it went to a completely online and learning center model uh, program. Uh, that's where the Bible college was, and my wife was studying theology, and uh, that's where we met. I was working there uh, doing finances, and so we were uh, serving the entire um, Eurasia region. And then about a year ago, we moved um, to, uh, to Hungary, and uh, that map kind of in the bottom corner is uh, where we're now serving, which is the Scandinavian countries down through um, Poland and Hungary and Bulgaria, mm-hmm. Croatia. Look mm-hmm. at a map. It's the center part. Down to Albania, where, where my wife is from. So she's back serving on her um, on her home field, which is which is great because um, we need people in that language group that are able to teach, which is part of what she does. She's involved in theological education. Uh, she's been a learning center coordinator in Albania. She studied at the Bible College, and she just got her master's from NNU, um, and so she's able to teach, and so she's kind of got the, the triple threat going on um, with that, so she's a, a real uh, plus or a real benefit to the field um, because she can teach now in her own language, and she's the first Albanian uh, to be able to teach 
speech in Albanian. She also speaks Italian, so um, there's potential for her to go and speak there. And they really need uh, teachers that are able to teach in their local languages. So this is a very important thing. Um, and she is involved in also some volunteer coordinating. We do that kind of together. Um, and then... Uh, I, like I said, I did finance at the regional office, and I was reassigned to um, to the Central Europe field, and I thought, great, I, I get a chance to expand my wings and move beyond finance, and then a couple months in, they said, oh, by the way, you're still going to do finances there. Um, we need your help. So I'm still doing finances, um, but also working with Compassion Ministries. Um, I don't know, are you familiar with NCM uh, work? So helping... Um, with those kind of projects on the field. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of that work um, with you. And now I'm going to let my wife speak into her headset. <laughs> well, thank you for having us um, this evening. And, and thank you. And um, <clears throat> you will see our little boys. They, they, will, come, they will come later. So we, we don't mind if you, if you love them. We want them to get to know the church so they don't just get to know the car. And it's, it's really funny because we were, start, we were starting in Berlin before we came here. We went to Berlin for some meetings. And this, it's starting a really long uh, traveling for us. We, we were in Berlin. We came back home for one night, packed to come for six weeks in the U.S. We're going back. We have just a few weeks in Budapest. Then we, fly, we go to Macedonia. From Macedonia, we fly to the U.K., from the U.K. to Dublin, Ireland, come back have two or three days of break, go to Italy, and then come back. So this is our, a little bit of our life. And, and our son in the car was, Mommy, I want to go home. And it's just the first day that we start these travels. And I said, Buddy, you know, the car is going to be our home now for a while. And he's like, No, Mommy, car is not home. House is home. So he's trying to make those connections. But also he has been loving to be in, in different churches. And, and wherever he goes, he loves the nurseries. And people have really been showing love love to them, and we want that uh, to expose them to that love. Now, this evening, we'll talk a little bit about what's happening in Central Europe. And uh, there is a story in the Bible that will help us to navigate through those events and through those stories. And I hope that you will allow the scripture to challenge you in a new way. Because this is, it's, it's a story that most of us, or the people who have been in the church for some time, are familiar with. But it's a story that I believe it speaks to us in new ways. At least to me, it speaks in new ways every time I read it. And this, especially in this past year, as we moved to Budapest, this story has really been meaningful to me. And it's a story from John, John 4. We'll read only John 4. Chapter 4, verses 4 to 10. But I, will, I want to encourage you that when you go back to your homes to read the entire story, because it is a beautiful story. And if I get... Now he had, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sikar, near the plot of ground jo- Jacob has given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? The disciples had gone into the town for food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. 
How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asking you for a drink, you'd have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the story will continue. But let's look a little bit what's happening in the story. Here is Jesus who is traveling through Samaria. Now, Jesus is not supposed to go to Samaria. As a good Jew, especially with his reputation, he's not supposed to go and step on that land because historically Jews and Samaritans have not liked each other. For Jews, the Samaritans were the trash of the society. But we see Jesus that he is going to walk on this land. And when Jesus go in a certain place, we know that Jesus has always an agenda. He always is on a mission. And the mission of Jesus in this day will be to meet a Samaritan woman. Now, this is not just any woman, any Samaritan woman. This is a woman of a very bad reputation. She has been married multiple times, and the man she lives now, it's not her husband. So even for Samaritan standards, she is a messed up woman. And this is the woman that Jesus will go and meet It's also a beautiful story because this is one of those stories in the Bible when we see that Jesus steps on social convention, political convention, religious convention at the same time just by being present at that well. He's not supposed to be here. And he shows up in that, in that place. And John is really particular to let us know that this is a noon time. And this woman is coming at noontime to draw water from the well. Now, I spent some time in the Middle East. And if I learned something about Middle Eastern women, is they love to come together. Every afternoon or morning, they will meet for coffee and tea and talk about the goats and the the cows and anything that has happened in the town. They will talk about it. And they usually always, when they go go to wash their clothes in a river, or if they go to draw water somewhere, they go in a group. It's a way also to protect themselves. But this woman, we see that this woman is coming alone. And probably this woman is trying to avoid eyes and rumors that would happen if she went at the same time. John does not tell if there was anybody else at that well, but the story let us know that John sees important that just this woman and Jesus are at the well. Even the disciples have gone to the town to get water. And as, as this woman is taking water from the well, Jesus approaches her and says, Would you give me a drink? Now the woman is shocked, and she has really good reasons to be shocked, because first of all, Jesus should not be there. For many years, Samaritans and Jews have really not had a good, they have never had a really good relationship with each other. For Jews will avoid with everything that they could to walk through Samaritan land because it would make them unclean. And they would not even touch something that a Samaritan person has touched because it makes them unclean. 
And here was Jesus, not only approaching a woman, not only approaching a Samaritan woman, not only approaching a Samaritan woman with bad reputation, but he's asking her to draw water for him and give and offer him water with whatever vase she had. And the woman is shocked. It's like, how can you ask me for water? You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. And Jesus responds to him and, and to her and says, if you only knew who is asking you for water, you would ask me for water and I would give you living water. And we see the conversation continues that the woman that Jesus is talking, that it's like two level conversation. I don't know if you have had, been some times in, in those conversations when you are talking about something here and the people understand something down here. And the same is with Jesus. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God and what he has come to do and be. And the woman is still understanding something very earthly. I think she, under, she, she thinks that Jesus has this special magic water that if she drinks, it will keep her hydrated for the rest of her life. Or if she takes a bottle of that water, it will reproduce and she would not need to come to the well anymore. And we see that that conversation continues till they meet to one point. When the woman asks Jesus, you know, we are waiting for this person, the Messiah, to come. And Jesus tells her, I am that Messiah. And the woman runs to her town and approaches all the people she has been avoiding and tells, come, there is a man at the well who says he is the Messiah. He told me everything about my life. And trust me, if you want to send a message, a credible message, she was not a credible messenger, but that was the woman that Jesus chose, a broken woman to go and bring a broken message because she herself did not understand what, what actually the Messiah is or does. As the rest of the Jews, they really had a misunderstanding of what this Messiah would be. The same is with her, but she goes with that broken message to her town, and her town comes to Jesus. And as they meet with him, Jesus talks to them more about the kingdom of God and about who he is, and many believe in him. There are so many things we can learn from the story, but we would need a book for it. We would need many nights, maybe about a series. But tonight I would like together to focus on three of those. And these, are the three, these three points have been the points that have challenged my view of mission in these past years. The first point that I want to share with you is Jesus' love for marginalized people. Now, throughout the Bible, we see that people will come to Jesus because they have a need or they have a disease or they need something from him. But this is one of those few stories in the Bible where we see that Jesus goes to look for a specific person who has no clue of who he is and is outside of the circle of the Jewish people. And he will go to approach her and to reach her. And for Jesus, he does not, he's not stopped by her life or her story. Because the truth is, if we know something about Jesus, no one, no one in his kingdom, no one in this world, it's too far from his, for his hand to reach him. 
and he has come to reach this woman. This past year, we were talking with our team to see who are the marginalized people in our society. Who are the marginalized people that Jesus loves so we can go and show up in those places? And we found ourselves being flooded by hundreds and thousands of people called Syrian refugees that were walking through all our fields, starting from the very south, coming from Greece, and going up to the northern European countries. Most of them are escaping a war, a very ugly war. And you can see this picture of Homs. This was Homs, the city of Homs in 2005. And by 2013, it's completely destroyed. And a lot of people who were having a normal life with their jobs and their families at school and children at school, school, they have to leave their homes. A lot of them move to the neighbor countries, so a lot in Turkey and Lebanon and Jordan and Egypt. But the situation started worsening even in those territories because the load of people was just too high. At a certain point, Jordan, one in four people was a Syrian refugee. So a lot of them started to moving more toward Western Europe. And this was particular, this flood of people came after, after the news showed a little boy of three years old dead in the shores of Greece. And the world was touched by it. And in the German leader at that time, Angela Merkel, said, we will host the Syrian refugees. And that started a flood of people, the hundreds and thousands of people. This is a picture on the Hungarian highway. At a certain point, the police are, are obligated to move, to, to close one side of the highway to allow people to walk toward Austria and then Germany and other northern European countries. And as a church, we did not wonder if we were going to be involved. That was not even a question. The question was how we were going to be involved. And we put ourselves and we positioned ourselves in strategic places where the refugees were gathered the most, and we were providing those places water, and we were providing food and clothes, and sometimes a year to hear their story. And we felt in love with their courage. The courage to get such a difficult journey to go and find a better place for their families. But what really touched our heart during this story is that for many of them, this was not just a a journey to go and get their families in a safer place. This was a journey, a spiritual journey. Because the Bible that we have given in Greece now finds itself in in, in Croatia with a young man in a refugee camp. And the people in the refugee camp are afraid of him because they think he's from ISIS. But one day this guy calls our pastor, our Arabic-speaking pastors, and he has questions for him. And our Arabic pastor did not stop did not allow himself to be motivated by fear, but he took the courage and went to meet this young man in his room. And he found him with a, young te- with a New Testament on his hand and the 50 questions that he had about this Jesus of peace he has been reading about. And at the end of that meeting, this guy goes on his knees and accepts Christ to be his Jesus of peace. 
And not only that, just two weeks after this guy will get baptized and switched from Muhammad, and now he asked people to call him Paul. And only just a few months later, this guy wants to study theology to preach the Jesus of peace. I know you will hear a lot of things in the media, but let me challenge you tonight about that. I don't want to become political. We are a church. The Italians have a saying that says, a tree that falls makes more noise than a forest that grows. Now, what you will hear most of the time is about trees falling. But there is an entire forest that is growing, and your church, the church that you support, is being involved on that growth. And that's where, as a church, we are called to focus and to pray for. And not only for the trees that grow, but also for those that fall. We are, we are called to take the courage and pray for the people that for hundreds of years the church has prayed for. There are older people that I know that says they have prayed for since they remember so the church one day would have the access to the Middle East. And just a few years ago, we felt the Lord was saying, not only are you going to have access to the Middle East, but the Middle East is coming to you. Are you ready? And we did not step back. We showed up, and we see that many people are coming to know Christ, people that we would have never, ever, ever had possibility to meet in person from the most rural, rural areas of, of Syria. Our, our NCM coordinator, Nazarene Compassionate Ministries coordinator in Croatia, is a Syrian refugee. Him and his wife serve serving Croatia among refugees in the same refugee camp they were refugees before they got asylum. The Lord is touching hearts because he goes and meets people where they are. And this brings me to the second point. The Lord meets us where we are. He will come and find us where we are. And this, this point is particular to me because because of the journey I personally had. I was born in a very lost town on Albania. My parents were considered enemy of the country. I was born during communism. My father spent 12 years in prison because of his freedom ideas. And my family was forced to do hard works for the government. And at that very young age, I wanted to know God. And he knew my heart, and he came and met me where in that lost town of Albania and journeyed with me to the moment I could recognize his presence in my life. After in 1990, when communism fell, a lot of religions came to Albania. And the area where I was living was historically known as a Muslim area, so I embraced Islam as a way to get to know this God. Now, I didn't just embrace Islam. I embraced Islam. I covered myself. I prayed five times a day. I fasted 30, 30 days in the year during Ramadan. We even did the sacrifice of the lamb for the forgiveness of sins. I was committed to get to know this God. 
And only, and, 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 and at that time, the Muslim leaders decided to send me to Saudi Arabia for five years so I could come then and teach Albanian women about Islam. But just a few months before that would happen, my father had a car accident, which put me into a crisis about the justice of God. So I decided I would give up on God and his justice. And I gave up on Islam. Moved to another city where I met different Christians. I met two girls, and they were the ones who showed me love and what it means to be loved unconditionally with the love of Christ. And at the same time, a missionary came to our school, and he was preaching. He was teaching English. And one day he said, I would like to open a church in the city. Would you help me? And I said, no, I don't do church. And he said, would you help me to give some brochures around? And I said, sure, that does not make me a Christian. So I gave brochures everywhere. I found ironic how the Lord works, because here I'm planting a church before I even know that I will follow him. So don't give limitations to him. And I gave, after giving these brochures, I went one night to my home, and I have one left. And it hit me that night. Now, from the moment my father has passed away till now, it's almost a year I have not dealt with his death. I did not cry. I did not go to his funeral. I knew he would pass away, but I just did not want to deal with it. And that night, hit, it hit me, and I realized he was gone, and he was not going to come back. Now, that was bad news for me and my family. We are five girls living with my mom at the edge, where the country is at the edge of a civil war, where people like me, families like mine, are target for human trafficking. And you realize that the only person that can protect you is gone. It's not good news. It was a total desperation. But somehow, I took that brochure that I've given to everybody but I have not read. And at the end of that brochure was a, little, was a little prayer that started with a little introduction that says, if you want God to be your father, ask him to be part of your life. And that was the night where Christ showed up at my well and asked me for water. And I told him I have nothing to give, and he said, I have living water for you. We do what we do with refugees because I know that the Lord has been journeying with him as he has been journeying with me. As you look at your life, you will see that he came and meet you where you are. And I tell people, it's true, not all the ways bring to God, but God is going to walk all those ways to come to people. And he will come and meet you, either you are Christian or not, he is coming to meet you where you are. He's going to show up at your well when you will come to draw water. And he will give you living water. A third point, and I'll try to go fast. This is, these are bunkers in Albania, if you're curious. And the next slide, I like to tell people, this is what happens when communism meets capitalism. We have made good use of them. But the third point, now we are in a Nazarene church. We, can go, we cannot go away without talking about holiness. This story really challenges our view of holiness. 
At least it challenges my view I have had of holiness. For many years, the Jews understood holiness as a physical separation between groups. And for those of you who have been to Israel or to Jerusalem, you have noticed that that is still very true. There is walls that separate people. You have the Jewish quarter, the Muslim quarter in Jerusalem. They have different quarters, and they try not to walk in the quarters of each other. There is a total physical separation between groups. But this story, I feel Jesus is challenging that view that the Jews had about holiness. And he's saying that holiness is not physical separation between people, but it is a redemption of relationships. It's enabling our heart to love perfectly, to love God perfectly with a perfect love and love each other with perfect love and redeem, bring redemption to those people who have not experienced that love. Holiness, it's God's healing coming in our lives and then flowing through our lives in the life of the other. And the second part of holiness that I see Jesus challenging in this story is that sometimes the Jews had all these rules to not touch this and to not take this and to not be with this person or to not walk this land, thinking that those things will make them unclean. But Jesus challenged that view throughout the Gospels. We see Jesus that he does not shy off on those rules. Because I, Jesus, when he came and when he died for us and resurrected, he left us with a mission and he said, all the authority is given to me, so I send you with that power, with the power of Holy Spirit. And this is how it's going to work from now on. No, when you touch an unclean person, it does not make you unclean. But church, when you touch and show up in Samaritan lands, you bring cleanness. You purify. You bring light. This is the power of the gospel. Because sometimes I feel we have taken with us, even in the church, that we need to be away from the world because the world will affect us. No, this is not how the power of the gospel works. The power of the gospels invite us to go in the dark places of our society and bring light. The power of the Holy Spirit is with the church. And this summer, the Lord told me, I want you to go and walk to your Samaritan land. My Samaritans are called Serbians. In 1999-2000, there was a very ugly war between Serbia and Kosovo. Kosovars are an Albanian ethnicity group. They were part of Albania before World War II. That war was so ugly. And at that time, our country was flooded with Kosovar refugees who came to find refuge in the country. I lived in the border. At that time, we would give first aid to people and then spread them out in refugee camps. And the stories I heard and the things I saw did not make it easy for me to say I love Serbian people. And then I had this brilliant idea after that to go into the country after the war. Mass graves and graves of young people at my same age were all over the place. 
houses destroyed and burned, nothing left. It was really hard to say as a Christian, I love Serbian people. Now, I did not hate them, but I did not like them. But this summer, the Lord said, I want you to go to Serbia. And I said, Lord, this is a bad idea. I'm not the right person. But Martin and I were the only one who could go to Serbia this summer. We had volunteers coming to work in with refugees, and the people who were going to take care of them dropped out at the last moment, so we were the only one who could go and give them orientation. And as I went to Serbia, that was the first day of the inauguration of the new president, and these are the banners and the protests that are going, into, are going on in the center of Belgrade. Albanian terrorists. I'm Albanian. War crimes. And I went closer. After telling the Lord, I told you this is a bad idea. I went closer and I look at those faces up there and there are faces of young people, of children, of men and women who died, innocent people. And my heart was broken from them. Because I was reminded by the Lord that that war was ugly. He was inviting me to see that war from the other side of the fence. They were people that he loved. That wars are ugly. Necessary many times. Don't take me wrong. But there's no winners in a war. There's losers. People we love lose their life. People that God loves lose their lives. And my heart broke for them. Then the Lord has this other brilliant idea. said, I want you to go and meet this pastor who will help you to go to start. We will help us to start a church in Serbia. We don't have a Nazarene church in Serbia. We're trying, we're trying to do a church plan there. And I said, now, Lord, this is a very bad idea. Now, let me give you an advice. I'm not the right person. Send Martin. <laughs> he's, not an, uh, he's not a right person either. Because it was the UN troops and the US troops that bom- bombarded Belgrade during this war. None of us was supposed to be there. And I said, okay, Lord, let's go. But let's keep my nationality out. So I go to meet this pastor. And the first thing he asked me is, tell me your testimony. And in my brain, I'm saying, how do I leave my nationality out? And I said, Lord, which part of my recommendation was not clear? This is a very bad idea. And I told him, I'm Albanian. And he stopped me there. And I said, here it comes. And he said, I love Albanian people. And because you are Albanian, I'm going to help with everything I can for you guys to start a church here. And together with him and with his team, we started dreaming about how to reach the Serbian people. I left that meeting, and I was in the parking lot, and the Lord talked to my heart And he said, I want you to know that that coffee that you have was not 
in Serbia. This was not, this, this guy was a communist, the son of a communist leader, and I'm the daughter of an enemy of the country, so we should not be in the same room together. Our passports should not take us in the same room together. But here we were, and the Lord had elevated us above history and about, above politics and about passports. And the Lord reminded me that coffee you had was not in Serbia. That this was not between a Serbian and Albanian. That was a coffee between my children in the kingdom of God. Where is your Samaria? Who is your Samaria? The Lord is challenging us tonight to look deep in our heart and in our life, to look those lands where we avoid going, to look those places or those people, to, look in, to engage with those people that we try to avoid. I don't know what your Samaria is, but I hope you will allow the Holy Spirit to show that to you because trust me, tonight the Lord is calling you to go to your Samaria. And you might say, Jesus, this is a bad idea. You might give him your recommendations, but let him challenge you because on the other side you might find a different story. He's calling us as a church to go out into our neighborhood, to wherever we are called. Martin and I make sure to tell churches we are not the only missionaries in this room. Yes, some of us are called to go to the other side of the world. Well, let's say Martin went to the other side of the world. I was already there. But the rest of us are called to be missionaries in the places that the Lord has put us being that light and being instruments in, in redeeming relationships between God and humans and humans with each other. And he has given us the power to do so. Will we show up? Will we listen? Will we journey where he's calling us? Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you because it refreshes us every time, although sometimes it is hard to listen because it pushes us beyond our comfort zones. Lord, give us the courage to go. Help us to see our Samaritan lands or people or parts of our heart. Teach us, Lord, to love with the love you love and send us out to bring that love to the other, to let that love of yours flow through our lives in the life of the other. Help us to be your missionaries. Help us to show up in those wells with you. Be with us this rest of the week and the rest of this evening, Lord. And remind us all the time of who you are and who we are and what you're asking us to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Just, just 
three more things. Uh, if you'd like to support us, prayer is a really important thing that we would invite you. We have some prayer cards outside. Please feel free to get one of those, and, and I hope we make it on your fridge so you remind us in your prayers. And uh, the second part is that um, with the Church of the Nazarene in Central Europe, we have a branch of Nazarene Compassion Ministries that is called Courage for the Journey, and this is specifically to work with refugees. And if the Lord tells you, hey, your Samaritans might be the refugees, please talk to your pastor. He knows how to get contact with us, and, and we can help you through that process. And, um, and of course, through Nazarene Compassion Ministries website, you, give, you can give specifically to specific things. You can go and navigate there. There are amazing projects you can support also with your finances. Beside the refugee work in our field, there is a lot of displaced people, I think, all over the world now at this point. So feel free to do that. And just to encourage you, that woman there is called Sandra. She is about 80 years old. She serves with refugees. She has come to volunteer with refugees. So please do not allow your age to be a limitation. When the Lord calls and he sends, he equips. And, 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 and yeah, and Sandra is our star in our refugee camp, so people love her. Well, I hope you have a good rest of the evening, and thank you for having us uh, tonight to, to spend time with you and share with you. Thank you.